Welcome to the Rosie on the House Arizona Hour. Driven by Sanderson Ford. Your weekend wake-up tradition. It's Rosie on the House. I know that someday I'm going to travel back to Arizona. That's where you'll find the Rosie on the House broadcast team this morning out in Wickenburg, Arizona. As the sun is just beginning to crest the horizon, we've got sun up here in about another five minutes. We're here celebrating all weekend Henry Wickenburg, the founder of the town of Wickenburg. We're celebrating his 200th birthday. Events go on all weekend long. If you've got time to come on up, They've got a full schedule of events today. We have Mrs. Cindy Thrasher joining us this morning. She is president of the Wickenburg Historical Preservation Society. And and kind of a Wickenburg, you are the designated Wickenburg historian. I am. And so what qualifications does it take to get that job? Well, probably because I work to put the... Wickenburg House on the National Registry, and also the Henry Wickenburg Pioneer Cemetery on the National Registry, and it took a lot of investigation um, to do that. It's basically a two-year process to get something um, of that designation. So. And this is this is hometown for you? This is hometown. I actually was from New York, but I lived there a short time, and uh, my dad got a fellowship uh, to go to ASU, and that's why we moved out from New York to uh, Arizona, and we never left after we, uh, he got his uh, master's degree. Wickenburg sure beats New York. It does. Oh, it does. <laughs> it's always been one of our favorite towns. We've spent a lot of time up here. We love it up here. Come trailer the horses up here and ride. Uh, between here and Congress and west of Congress and all over the area. So we just love it. But tell us a little bit about this character, Henry Wickenburg. Well, he was a colorful man. Um, He left Essen, Germany to come to the United States. Ideally, he was a wanted man. Uh, His family had a farm in Essen, and at that time it wasn't... um, enough to take care of the family financially and he and his brother started mining coal on the property and it was illegal at the time the government owned the mineral rights Um, the family used to own them but it changed when the Prussian government came into being and Henry was caught mining coal um, on their property and he had to uh, flee Essen and his brother also fled Essen uh, and was found, actually uh, perished in a mining tunnel, and they found his remains 30 years later. Oh, well, there's nothing like a warrant <laughs> to motivate you to look for greener pastures. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so he leaves Prussia uh, and finds his way to Wickenburg by a, a, a pretty big circuitous route. True. Now, you hosted us at the Vulture City Ghost Town last night. Correct. And 
you just wonder how a guy traveling, a guy from Prussia, traveling from San Francisco to the Southwest, what does he see that says, I'm going to start a gold mine right here? I think uh, what happened when Henry came to San Francisco, he worked in the mining communities um, along the California coast, uh, ended up in the area of La Paz, uh, Kern Valley, um, met up with a bunch of other prospectors known as the Walker Party and the People's Party, and um, ended up in Arizona actually prior to his discovery of the Vulture Mine. Uh, about 1862, he drove a team of horses for the government down in Tucson. So we don't really know how he got there to begin with. Um, and then you hear of him coming back, um, or when the, the government uh, was involved in the Civil War, then they kind of cut Henry off, and he went back to California and then made his way back over here in 1863. I haven't seen Vulture City Mine in 20 years. So getting there last night and seeing the restoration of what they've done is incredible. It, it is. They've actually moved. I saw them move a building last year that that uh, was originally located at the Vulture Mine. It was located next to the Presbyterian Church. The Presbyterian Church no longer wanted that building there. They wanted parking instead. And Robin and Rod got a truck, um, put the house on it, and uh, moved it out to the Vulture Mine because that house originally came from there. Whoa. Well, why not? Yeah. <laughs> and we had Rod Pratt on in um, March, and he described it, and we had not seen it. But he's a man from Canada, had, for whatever reason, had this passion for wanting to restore it. And he had seen it first, he told us, in 2003. We visited with him a few minutes last night. He saw it in 2003, but he said it really declined between what years, like 2012 and 17. He said every time he saw it, it was just exponentially once, worse. Once a authentic adobe building loses its roof, it's only a matter of time before it melts back into the ground. I mean, that's the whole purpose mm -hmm. for the steel structure over Casa Grande ruins. You know, we were going to lose those ruins if they didn't get in there in the 20s and 30s and put that metal cover over it. Well, it's a charming setting, and he had taken the, um, he's got pictures of before and after, and you just wouldn't even believe someone had the had the foresight to think that, hey, this can be restored. And he had all kinds of artisans and specialists and experts come in and help him with the adobe and the metal and the tools. You can see all kinds of implements from the mine. And I think there's probably, I saw, we walked through about at least six or seven buildings. We don't vulture city mine. I got to Arizona in the mid-60s. So it was all but shuttered up by the time I got here. So in my mind, Vulture City Mine uh, has always been a ghost town. But reading a little bit about it last I didn't realize how productive it really was. It was. It was very productive. They say that over $200 million were taken out of it. However... Um, I think there were a lot of high graders and a lot of expenses associated with the mine, and I, and I think that's why you saw a change of hands over the years. Nobody kept it very long. So. And I was really genuinely surprised last night to look over the hill 
and see mining equipment at work today. I didn't realize it was an open active mine. Right, right. The um, Todd Beal owned the mine um, previously, and he was doing a little bit of mining, and I think his goal was to open pit mine, and I don't know how far along he got with that, but that's what the group is doing now that is in control of it. Yeah, but, there's. you were talking about steel in the ore. I've heard that in some of the Old West mines, the... The attrition rate was as high as 30 or 40 percent. The 30 or 40 percent of all the old good ore that came out of the ground never made it to the assay office. Yeah, well, there's probably a lot of truth to that. And this is a mine that has its own hanging tree for yes. the guys that try to. Yes. Um, there is a cute story with that. Though. A cute story <laughs> with you, a hanging if tree. If you uh, look at an old Arizona highways, say from 1942, there's a picture of a hanging tree, and on it is a sign that says, 13 men were hung here. Well, now, if you look at the tree, the number has gone up. It says 18, it doesn't says it? It says 18, mm-hmm. yes. So, I don't know what happened between <laughs> then and now. Man, no uh-huh. tell. Well, Miss Cindy, why don't you take a minute here before we go to break and just invite Arizona up to your beautiful city. Okay, Arizona, we have a wonderful day planned today. We have crafters, at least 40 of them. We have seven food trucks, a variety of food. Uh, We have a vintage uh, flea market, and um, we have a beer garden. We um, have a lot of historical speakers that will be speaking this morning in entertainment. We have Ron Rose Country Experience. He was uh, a contestant on America's Got Talent, so... Uh, we have a nice variety, something for everybody. We have an antique car show for the men. So come on up and see us. And where will the car show be? Uh, down by the community center. Okay. And and tonight, we were at a, a live music event at the Vulture City last night. But again, tonight, y'all have a, we the, do. the band. We do. We have um, Chuck Brinkman and the Outlaws. It's free. Uh, it's sponsored by Cowboy Cooking, Jim Swift, and we really appreciate him doing that. He's also sponsoring Ron Rose during the day, so we will have Western Entertainment during the day as well. That's fantastic. And there are some kid activities you've got set we up. We have. What, what are they, period games? They are. They are. We have three tents set up in a carnival-type scenario, and they are having ring tosses and all kinds of old-fashioned games for the kids. There'll be cake. There'll be prizes. I heard wonderful prizes. A couple tickets to the Vulture Mine and uh, ice cream cones from McDonald's. So uh, we have a lot going on for everybody today. Now, I live in in Scottsdale and, and got to Scottsdale in 1965. Now, Scottsdale's always said... They're the west, most western town. Not anymore. I, I think y'all are trying to steal that, aren't you? I think we've been trying to right steal on, that for not, a long time. Maybe not steal it. Maybe <laughs> they earned a, it. Live, yeah, <laughs> earned it. Earned it. Yeah, I think we've been in competition for a long time. Y'all are the team roping capital of America. That's how we tout ourselves. I mean, you can't even walk two blocks in this street where you don't have some live-in horse trailer rig park. That's true. That's true. We have them all over. And and license plates from all over. Yep. Probably more than Wickenburg. So. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've seen a lot more out-of-state horse rigs in the day and a half we've been here than I've seen in-state. But I guess in-state, you're just staying at your own place, right? So, we're here. 
We're here for Henry Wickenburg's 200th birthday celebration in Wickenburg, Arizona. Events scheduled all weekend long. Is there a particular website people could jump on and take a look at it? Yes. Um, the town of Wickenburg has a website. Um, supposedly, we're on Facebook as well. And um, it's been advertised in uh, Country uh, Horseman magazine and um, on the radio. So I think we have um, um, a lot of media attention to to our events today. Mrs. Cindy Thrasher, the president of the Wickenburg Historical Preservation Society and the designated official town historian for Wickenburg. I can't thank you enough for joining us this early, dark, cool morning out. Thank you. Broadcasting outside from a parking lot. It'll, we'll see the sun here shortly. It's Rosie on the house. We'll be back right after this. Tuned up and rolling. It's the Rosie on the House Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford. We are way out west in Wickenburg, Arizona. What a beautiful morning. We've had this great rain event all week, and now the sky is clear as can be, and the air is crisp and cool. It's wonderful. Plan on coming up today if you're looking for something to do to Henry Wickenberg's 200th birthday celebration. What a big event. What a big personality. We've been here talking with Cindy Thrasher, president of the Wickenberg Historical Society, and we have asked also Vivia Strang, president of the Pioneer Cemetery Association, to join us as well. And these gals are passionate about the stories and the history that go with Wickenburg and Arizona in general. Um, they're just really good at keeping the stories, sharing the stories, protecting the stories. And um, in visiting with Vivia, I learned about Henry Wickenburg. That he's, you know, he had a really hard life. Um, he, but he also made lifelong friends and was compassionate about others, so he's a very well-rounded person. Vivia, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. I am doing fantastic this morning. Well, good, good. And just so you know, if you're planning on coming up and you hear our Vivia and Cindy um, talking about this and you're interested, Viv, uh, Vivia will be on stage at 1045. They have a stage all day of speakers, and she's going to share more of the story. But we've asked her to kind of give a teaser this morning. Um, Vivia, were you able to he- tune in and hear Cindy talk about the very beginning of Henry's journey? From uh, Prussia, did you hear us talking? I, I heard you talking, and yeah. I heard a little bit towards the end of what uh, she was talking about. Okay. All right. Well, she kind of left off pretty much, you know, um, leaving Prussia, coming to California, learning about gold mining, and then why don't you bring us on into Henry's um, life here in, in Wickenburg? I will. One of the things I just wanted to mention briefly, and this ties in with what Cindy was talking about, and so many times I hear, well, what does the past have to offer to us? And can we, by looking at the past, enrich our lives today? And my answer is absolutely. Uh, Many young people today often lack the connection to life roots that occurred in the past, and those help nurture and inspire lives. And people are intrigued with the events and stories that the past offers. And we can learn and be inspired by the past. And Henry Wickenberg is one of those people who is absolutely inspirational in that he had a 
life of adversity. He was a survivor and intrigue, and uh, they were his constant companions in life and even in death, as I'm going to talk a little bit about. But Henry, um, as Cindy alluded to, was born in Prussia, and one of his first encounters with with mining was uh, he and his brother were mining coal, and um, the government came after him because um, the government owned the mineral rights. And then he came to New York in 1847. He heard about the gold in California, and he decided to go there. And so for the next, oh, over 10 years, he was in California learning how to mine for gold, making some friends over there. But he never did strike it rich in California. In 1861, there was a very severe cold winter in California, and a lot of the cattle died there. And Henry saw an opportunity to skin the cattle and tan the hides and sell them just so he could survive. And the cattlemen didn't like that, and they began to look for ways to make him an example of what not to do with their cattle. And Henry left California. And he came uh, to Arizona into the town of Ehrenberg, and this was in 1862. What and was in Ehrenberg uh, in 1862? We're, talk, we're talking about the, the beginning of the Civil War. Yes, yes, the beginning of the Civil War, absolutely. And the war did affect as far away as California. The Confederacy did want California to be part of uh, the South. Sure. And, and they wanted Arizona to be part of the South as well. Um, so it did affect um, the people in that country as well. So here he is in Ehrenberg, and he made friends with the miners that uh, had come to that area. Ehrenberg was a, uh, the beginning of a road that did go into Wickenburg area. And Vivian, Vivian, we're going to take a, a hard break here. Uh, we're going to go to the bottom of our news, and we're going to come back, and we're going to continue the story. We'll have just a good time talking about from Ehrenberg to Wickenburg, Vulture Mine. We've got lots still to talk about. Hang on. The tank is full, and we're moving through the Arizona Hour with Sanderson Ford and Rosie on the house. I threw the broadcast equipment and sweet Jennifer into our Sanderson Ford fleet van and drove up to Wickenburg yesterday. We're broadcasting live outside this morning, nice and brisk. I love it. feels delicious. We're here celebrating Henry Wickenburg's 200th birthday uh, in response to the invitation from Miss Cindy Thrasher, the president of the Wickenburg Historical Preservation Society. Thank you for the invite. Well, thank you for coming. She, she wanted to know, would we consider it? I said, it's done. We'll be there. Absolutely wouldn't miss that for the world. And Jennifer invited Miss Vivia Strang to join us this morning. I haven't met Vivia, but y'all are having a conversation about Henry Wickenburg in particular. And he shows up in Ehrenberg, Arizona in 1862. Now, look, there's two restaurants and a filling station in Ehrenberg now. I can't imagine what wasn't there in 1862. So, Vivia, p- pick us up in Ehrenberg and let's continue this amazing story well henry was 
uh, there and uh, trying to decide what he wanted to do. One thing he really wanted to do was look for some gold. And um, there were two parties that were formed there um, in Arizona. And one was the uh, Abraham People's Party, and which was uh, guided by... Um, Pauline Weaver, who is a very famous uh, person in Arizona history, and especially in the Prescott area. And so he was the guide. And the other party about the same time was the Walker Party. And a man by the name of Jack Swilling was in that party, along with uh, Henry Wickenberg's friend, James Chase. And from what we can learn, the People's Party was the first one to reach central Arizona, and they uh, found the gold, the incredible uh, placer gold on Rich Hill, which was very famous as they picked up the gold nuggets off the ground, essentially, and picked them out of the rocks. Quite a fantastic find. Now, Rich Hill, that's that's Jerome area, right? Yes. yes. Okay. All right. So picking gold up off the ground in Jerome. I love yes. it. Yes. Uh, Con- Congress. Yeah, actually, it's Stanton in the Congress area. Over there, right yeah. there at the base yeah. of Yarnell there? Yeah, correct. Okay, correct. all right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Sorry, I didn't uh, pick up on that. Didn't hear you quite as well as I could have. Oh, that's um, fine. No worries. Okay. So, there they were. Henry Wickenberg missed joining up with both of those parties timing was a little bit off on that. So he decided he wanted to go ahead and um, look for gold anyway. And he came across the Arizona desert from Ehrenberg up towards Wickenburg, which Wickenburg wasn't there yet, hadn't been uh, founded or anything. He came across the desert alone by himself, which would have been incredibly brave because of the heat and because of the Apache Indians being there, you know, he he traveled by himself across. Was he on the Was he on foot, Vivian? He or was on foot. Was yes, he probably had a burro with him to carry, um, you know, water and mm-hmm. food and and his bedding and stuff like that. But he came alone, which was just phenomenal in itself. Uh, the man did not lack in bravery at all. And he had a friend, an acquaintance that he had made, and his name was uh, King Wolsey, who was also a very famous Arizona pioneer. And Wolsey had told him that there was some rich ore in the Harklahela mountain area. And uh, he came across, and as he got into that area, he recruited two men to go with him and help him look in the area. And so they're out there looking for gold, and he had seen a, an outcropping of quartz. And usually where you see quartz, often it carries gold as well. But his friends weren't interested in going to investigate in that. And as a matter of fact, they both eventually left him out there alone. And when he was out there by himself is when he found, he went back to the uh, quartz outcropping. And while he was there, he discovered gold. And that was the discovery of the vulture mine. 
Wow. And for a while, for a while, he did work that mine by himself. But this gold wasn't laying on the ground. This gold was embedded in the ore. And so you would have to process the ore. And in order to process the ore, you had to grind it up and you had to have water to process it out. And so from what I understand, the Hasiapa River was about 12 miles away from uh, the vulture mine where he found the gold. And that was quite a chore to haul the ore and in order to process it, they used a, an arasta, which was uh, a milling area. They could put the, the gold in there, and they would have it, um, horses go around, and they would um, bring the rock or the millstone around and crush the ore, and then they would process it out further using the water. That was a lot of work. <laughs> that was a lot of work to carry a ton of ore, you know, and of course he would have had just uh, a mule or something like that to carry it, and he got a little bit much for Henry, and he began to sell off to other prospectors the ore. They could, uh, for a ton of ore, it was fifteen dollars, and they could take it and take it to the river, and. Uh, put it in the Arasta and, and crush it out and mine it out. And he did that for a couple of years. And he wasn't getting rich off of that either. And so he eventually sold the right to the mine uh, to Benjamin Phelps for $85,000. Vivian, can you, can you talk to, um, I mean, somewhere in that story, there were other miners that he knew um, that came over also from Prussia, correct? Like, wasn't it, see if I remember this correctly, but uh, Rosie and I stopped by the Hasliampa River Preserve yesterday, and the, the ranch house there that they office out of is, belonged to uh, prospector Brill, right? And, yep. and, he, and he knew Henry Wickenburg. Yes, he did know Henry Wickenburg. And... Um, I don't believe that uh, Brill himself was a miner, but he knew Henry, mm. and he, he invested money into the vulture mine. And what Brill did was he um, planted peach trees and apple trees and grew produce to feed the people in uh, the Wickenburg area and also in the Phoenix area. And um, Brill... <laughs> Excuse me also um, established a fish farm there on the uh, land there where the uh, ranch was, the Brill Ranch. And let, me, let me ask um, Cindy. Cindy, so we're talking about these places. These are places people can see when they come up. The Brill Home is at Hacienda yes. River Preserve. Yes, correct. And that big old adobe walls, fantastic. And then Henry Wickenburg's home is right here uh, just east of downtown, correct? Correct. Um, however, he did live in a number of homes. He, um, When he first came to Wickenburg, he had a tunnel house. He settled down by the river. Um, the Indians had planted squash there, and uh, they were seasonal, so they, they uh, 
uh, were gone at that time, and Henry saw the gardens and was intrigued with the land. They say the Hacienda was much smaller in its width at that time, um, but they called that area the pumpkin patch because of the Indian gardens there. And I think Henry actually liked um, farming as opposed to mining. If you look at a lot of the old census, um, you'll see that he put down farmer as opposed to miner. Interesting. Huh. So, um, but anyway, uh, yes, and Henry was the same as Mr. Brill. He had orchards. Uh, we have um, uh, an article from 1877 that talks about Henry Wickenberg's farmhouse being the finest in uh, Maricopa County. Actually, there's a typo. It says Maricopa City. <laughs> but it talks about his extensive <laughs> irrigation system that he put in. Um, it also has a cute little saying at the end of the article. It says, Henry Wickenberg went to town today to buy fine furnishings for his home. It looks a little suspicious. I wonder if he's going to marry. Oh, funny. Well, um, talk just a bit, uh, either one of you, about um, the um, the canal that he, I, I guess he looked at the Hohokam, the way they had transported water, and he had some ideas about getting water from one place to the other. Um, that yes. would have been, that would have been Jack Swilling, who, who he knew, because Jack Swilling had also been a miner. And uh, Jack Swilling uh, came to the Wickenburg area, and... Um, Henry Wickenberg invested in uh, Swilling's Canal Project, which was in Phoenix. Um, he had been there to visit uh, Y.T. Smith, and he saw the canals, and he thought, you know, if we clean these out a little bit, that we would be able to farm in, in the valley here. And that was the project. They were going to clean out those canals and bring water in so that uh, they could do agriculture. And uh, that is exactly what happened. By 1869, the water was flowing in the canals there in the valley, and the people were able to farm. And, uh, it's a and Wick Wickenburg is basically at the very head of the Hacienda River Preserve. It's the one place the Hacienda River surfaces. It, you know, I don't know, Hacienda, I'm guessing. It, it may be 70 miles long, 80 miles long. But it's only on the surface those four or five miles consistently. Now, it was flowing yesterday. <laughs> but And what do they say when you see water flowing in the Hacienda? What happens? Well, they say a lot of it. They call it the upside down river where yeah. the water flows mostly underground as opposed to above ground. Though I'd say at the turn of the century, uh, old families say that Wickenburg was more of a, a marshland, and there was actually a spring on Henry Wickenburg's property called the Wickenburg Spring, and they had infestation of mosquitoes. Uh, at one point in time in the late 1880s, there were only about eight people left in Wickenburg because of the malaria that infested the area. So and Henry needs the water. Correct. To process the ore. Correct. So he's traveling this 12 miles a ton at a time or however much a burrow can carry. I, I think the U.S. Cavalry maxed a burrow at 350 pounds. You couldn't put more than that on him. Well, he, he had a number of Erastas. Um, uh, Mr. Janung, Charles Janung, showed Henry how to use an Erasta, and there were stamp mills that were located 
uh, in the Hacienda River in Henry's house, uh, the tunnel house that he had first before he discovered the vulture mine. Um, he lived close to that area. They say that you could see the Arastas from his home as you looked at the river. Is that tunnel home something that still exists that you can see? Um, there, it's barely there. You can see one entrance, but it was actually timbered. Um, and then eventually, and I, I would think it was a short time after he put that in, he had a 10 by 12 foot rock room. And then later on, they said he had an 1864 house. And that may be the house where uh, Simpson's house is located right now, His uh, Larry Simpson's mother's house. And an old Arizona Republic story says that Henry had a house there at one point, and I believe it was the one just uh, destroyed by the Walnut Dam when it broke in 1890. But Henry planted all the palm trees, uh, and they still exist. Here talking Henry Wickenburg for the edification of all of Arizona to learn about the founder of the town of Wickenburg. We are in Wickenburg celebrating Henry's 200th birthday with Miss Vivia Strang and Mrs. Cindy Thrasher. And we're going to be back more with Henry Wickenburg right after this. It's our wide open road. The Rosie on the House Arizona Hour with Sanderson Ford. Broadcasting live from just across the street from the Wickenburg uh, City Hall. We're celebrating Henry Wickenburg's 200th birthday with Miss Cindy Thrasher. And Miss Vivian Strang. Uh, uh, and Cindy is the official Wickenburg town historian. Now, I discovered last night you're married to quite an antique. Or, no, I mean a, not an antique, a pioneer. Yes, he is a pioneer. I could have uh, talked to him all night. I, I had to leave, or we'd still be there talking. He carries his history in his pocket. He had little pictures of his family. Um, what, the hotel was where? Uh, in Morristown. Yeah. So. Uh, it used to be on the other side of the highway. It's a two-story territorial. Um, it used to service the people that would come off the train and go to Castle Hot Springs. His grandmother uh, ran the restaurant there, uh, kept a log of the visitors that came, um, what they ate, if they were repeat customers, and if they tipped well. Oh, boy. Um, well, I, I, I really could. I, I could talk to Larry for a week. Well, I really appreciate Vivia Strang taking the time to talk because now she's got to get in the car and come up and she'll be yes. here speaking on stage at 1045. She's the president of the Pioneer Cemetery Association and, she, and people like Vivia and Cindy help to keep that history alive and it is inspiring. You know, sometimes we think our lives can be so hard and they, they're hard in a different way, but this was foundational. You know, these are people who fought against everything. Just walking through the vulture mine and looking at all the implements, it's like you know, they had to make them up or invent them or they couldn't go to Home Depot. You know, it, or where did their food come from? They had to be so inventive and resourceful. So I just really, really appreciate the history and the passion these people have um, to keep that history alive and to let other people know about it. I asked Vivia, I said, there, is there a good book? She said, no. I said, well, you can't make this stuff up. Somebody needs to put together a really good book about the life. And man, it'd make a good movie, too, wouldn't it? It, it would make a great movie. Uh, actually, Helen Hawkins, uh, in the 1950s, wrote a book called uh, uh, Early Wickenburg History to 1875. And it was the only book 
endorsed by the museum at that time, and my husband taught Wickenburg history, and that was the textbook that they used. But uh, Helen Hawkins was working on her master's thesis, and that's the book that she wrote. So she went back through all the old manuscripts to document her book, so everything is documented. And uh, unfortunately, it fell out of favor as new people came into Wickenburg and didn't understand, you know, what we had here. So um, the Historical Society actually reprinted her book, and we are trying to get it back into circulation because you have so many erroneous stories. Our museum burnt down. Um, uh, I think it was in uh, 1969, and it had oh. only been oh. in existence for a few years before it burnt down. And then our newspaper archives were destroyed by flooding. So anything that's concrete has been held by families. And fortunately for me, um, a lot of the early families has, have given me documentation that hasn't been available uh, any other way in newspapers or whatever. So um, we've gotten pictures of Henry Wickenburg that no, weren't in circulation, and there aren't many of them. But uh, it's been very interesting for me because things have popped up to substantiate or to correct, um, you know, misinformation. And, and we don't have time to cover it today, so I have to have you back. But even the demise of Henry Wickenburg is a story in itself. It is. It is. His whole life is uh, a story. Well, they're having a look-alike, Henry Wickenburg look-alike contest today. And with not many pictures, I guess it's just up to the judge's interpretation what they, <laughs> they think those pictures put together. Well, actually, we put together a wanted poster that does have Henry Wickenburg's photo on it. So they do have um, something, something to go to by. Go by, yes. <laughs> Well, Miss Cindy, we can't thank you enough for provide for inviting us for sure and making making this opportunity available to us. Congratulations on what looks like is going to be a fantastic event. The crowds are already beginning to show up. Now, in the eight o'clock hour, we're going to be talking about flora and fauna of the Wickenburg area. We're going to be doing that with the director of the Hasiampa River Preserve, Miss Jessica Bland. So you can't miss that. Y'all stay tuned.